Good day, good folks. You are listening to Talk That Keeps You Woke. And with your awakening, we hope that you will take in the information and knowledge we provide. So make sure you like and subscribe while you hop on this ride as we inform, persuade, entertain, and engage in discussion. Welcome to Potlicker Podcast, which is knowledge to feed your soul. I make up one half of Potlicker. I go by Dr. A, the inquisitive one. A great debater, Mr. Slow Talker, a rhetorician, and an all-around nice guy, and a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. The other half of Potlicker is my homie, my dear friend for more than 30 years, Kim Parker Jackson Esquire, the legal one, Mrs. Creativity, never obnoxious, the gifted one, a terrific lady, and a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Well, 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 we're back. How was your week, partner? It was good. Hello, everyone. I'm doing well. And how are you doing, Dr. A? Um, I'm still in recovery uh, from last week. Had a little uh, bronchial situation. Had to go to the hospital on Wednesday. But but I'm good. I feel better. Um, Antibiotics have kicked in. So... Everything is good. Welcome to podcast, uh, Podlicker Podcast. Um, We're going to push on through. Yeah, Podlicker <laughs> Podcast focuses on and explores current social and political events, media, sports, entertainment, and social societal practices from an, two African-American perspectives. Our goal is to inform, enrich, edify, and entertain our listeners and viewers as we address these issues. We hope our discourse inspires our audience to engage with us. And with that said, we always start to show off with our wow for the week, which stands for words of wisdom. And our words of wisdom comes from the brother Fred Hampton. You can kill a revolutionary, but you can never kill the revolution. Um, Simple foot for Fred Hampton was a part of the Black Panthers, as we know. A dynamic young man at the at the time of his demise. And he was about unification and change. And he was trying to be a change agent, not just for the black poor, for the white poor too. Um, government didn't like that. Um, so they assassinated him. His statement, you can kill the revolutionary, is true. He says, as long as you're organized and you have the revolution that's in the front, no matter who you knock off, as long as the purpose of the revolution is still in mind, you can't kill it. And that's his words. Uh, what do you say? I agree wholeheartedly with everything you said. And the only thing that I would add is that this just reminds me of Martin Luther King when he gave his I Have a Dream speech and said, kind of almost predicted that they would meet this fate because they knew that they were effective in this movement in the Black community. All Fred Hampton was trying to do is uplift our community and feed children lunch (laughs) that's all we were trying to do and and he met this end and i believe they knew that was coming because they were indeed very effective in the civil rights movement well said 
So that is uh, Fred Hampton. You can kill a revolutionary, but you can kill the revolution. Okay, before we get into what's going on, we're going to start with our first plug. And our product this week is the Peloton bike, which I have in my place. It is a very, very good piece of exercise equipment. I encourage people to, um, to purchase one. It is a little costly, I can say that, but... Uh, the people they have on the computer that you're going to work with are tremendous. Um, you work out with other people across the country. Um, so, yeah, the Peloton bike, that is our plug of the week. Let us move on. Okay, so we got a lot going on this week. And uh, we're just going to jump right into it. Our first, of course, is Chris Rock. Chris Rock uh, had his show, uh, his live show on uh, Selective Outrage on um, Netflix. It was a doozy. <laughs> Indeed it was. It was. Uh, I believe he, he did his thing. Um, I thought he was funny from beginning to the end. But I'm going to let you start off with and get your thoughts on it. Well, I will just say that it was entertaining in the sense that it kept my attention the whole time. Chris Rock, to me, is not like bend over, can't breathe, laughter, because, you know, he's not that funny to me. Um, but I think he, I, I sort of compare him to a Dave Chappelle that I, I am a fan of Dave Chappelle and I do think he's a good comedian. Again, they don't make me crack up laughing, but I enjoy listening to their social commentary. So it was the same here. Like Chris Rock has some interesting points that he, he brought up and I was like, Oh, that's a good point. That's clever. And you know, you might chuckle a little bit, but I only laughed out loud one time um and that's when he did the the will smith joke in the end um so i mean there's a lot here i mean he this is you know one of two specials that he contracted with netflix to do for 40 million dollars so he, that was a great payday <laughs> so good kudos to him on that but um i i you know and my overall impression i just think First of all, Chris Rock has become a uh, part of the culture. Um, and I think it started with, you know, um, his role in Boomerang. He, play, he played Pookie, I think it was, in Boomerang. He played Pookie in New Jack City. New Jack City, okay. But didn't he have a small part in Boomerang yeah. as well, like the male, the male guy? Yeah. Okay, so Pookie and then the male guy. And then he became part of our culture. So I think we love he him for that. On Saturday Night Live. Right. And but I think lately my views of Chris Rock they're, they're kind of evolving. For one reason, um, it's because during the special, like I just think he overused the N word. It, it got to a point where it was a little bit uncomfortable, especially when the camera cuts to um, 
you know, it was a mixed crowd. And so you get kind of uncomfortable hearing the N-word. I mean, I, he must have said it 50 times. I mean, it was a lot. And then he, you know, the joke he did about, um, well, he brought up the issue with his mom when she was small, when she was younger and she would need to get her teeth fixed. She had to go to a vet and how now she's flying to Paris to visit his daughter who's in culinary school. You know, I just, you know, that was, that was interesting, but, and he said, you know, he didn't fight um, Will Smith because of the slap. He didn't fight him because his mom taught him not to fight in front of white people, but yet he uses the N word in front of white people. So I just thought that was a bit just, you know, kind of hypocritical, but my overall impression, it kept my attention, but I have to say my views on the Chris Rock are evolving. What do you think? Well, I, we have a disagreement. I think Chris Rock is a uh, bend over funny. I think his commentary is political. I think it's witty. Um, same with Chappelle. I like that type of uh, comedy. Um, yeah. I'm not, I would say I pre prefer it, but um, the other comedies uh, from other people like Kevin Hart and, 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 um, you mean Steve Harvey or Cedric the Entertainment? I like that as well. You know, Me I like too. anybody that gets on stage and tries to make me laugh. But I did laugh at a lot of stuff that uh, Chris Rock had to say in the show, from Lululemon to what he said about Meghan Markle, about social media. Um, I thought one of the funniest lines, and I know this is crazy because it's talking about abortion. He said to woman, he says. If you have to pay for your own abortion, you should get an abortion. And yeah, I thought clever. that was funny and was clever. Um, and I, I think he's clever in that way. As far as him using the word nigger, um, I don't mind that. Richard Pryor did it a lot. Um, but he changed in the end, remember? Yeah, he did. But he it also brought down his funny. And I'm not saying you need to use the word to be funny. Uh, Chris Rock has used... Yeah, I said, I'm not saying you need to use the word to be funny. I'm just saying, I think with rock and comedians like him that use the word on a regular basis, I, they're using it in different ways. Um, but do you think the abortion I don't issue care about how white folks think about us using the word. That's just not, I don't, that, I never... I never think about that. Do I use the word publicly in front of people? No, but when I go home, uh, friends of mine, they'll, they'll approach me with that. But do you think, go ahead. What was your question? Do you think the abortion topic for jokes is over the line? No, I think. There, so you don't think there's any topics about which comedians should not try to make jokes? I know it when I hear it. I think that like, wow, that was a little tough, but I think they can talk about anything. They're comics. I I, I, I just, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And I think the defense is, if it's funny, you know, I can understand crossing the line a little bit, but it's gotta be funny. And I just wonder whether with oh, the abortion issue, I think, it's fine. I, I think it's fine to talk about abortion, but when he said, when I ask for a, an abortion, I'm requesting a dead baby. Like that's 
Ooh, it made me cringe a little bit, like because you're talking about, you know, it's a tough requesting subject. their it's babies. A, it's a tough subject to hear, but yeah. I don't think any. I don't find too many things off limits. Like you know, he said that he paid for a lot of abortions, whether he did or not. He was using it as as jokes, and sometimes it's hard to hear, and a lot of people don't like that. Um, but if you asking me. Um, are there topics that are off limits? Yeah, I guess there are. I just like if can't somebody loses it. a child, if somebody loses a child, how do you make a joke about that? You know, well, that's inappropriate. I believe so. Um, no. That's inappropriate. I don't know. I I, I don't think like he, he didn't go down those that road though. He didn't. But the requesting a dead baby was a little bit on the line for me. But I do believe in free speech for comedians, especially. I don't agree with this cancel culture and they said this and that because they do pick on everybody. So, so it's equal opportunity. Get you. So I'm okay with that. But yeah, I, I, that did make me cringe just, just a little bit, but I did laugh at the joke when he did, when he got back at Will Smith at the end and he said, I had summertime ringing in my ears. Mm -hmm. He was like, drums, please. Yeah. I just thought that was funny. So that's the one time I laughed out loud. Everything else, I was like, oh, that's clever. Like when he was saying how companies, they are into the whole, you know, social, um, what's the word? Where you say that if you buy something, we'll, we'll, contribute to a charity or whatever. Mm -hmm. Lulu, Lulu. Um, right. And he said, just, you know, lower the price. Yeah. I'd rather have the yeah. racist yoga pants right. for $20 instead of the exactly. hundred. I thought that was funny too. Um, yeah, was uh, Will Smith. I felt good for Chris Rock and I'm a fan of Will Smith. Right. Mm -hmm. But I felt good for Chris Rock when he got that off of his chest. Um, a lot of people say, well, why did he go at Jada Pinkett Smith like that? Why did he call her a B? Well, we this this discussions to have about that. That's the only time where I went wow, and I think the audience went wow too. Wow. There was like a little mm -hmm. freeze there, and um, he recovered. But because um, that was, I don't know if that was called for. Um, probably not. Uh, but I think that he waited a year, right? Because the. the Oscars, we're recording this on Sunday and the the 95th Oscars are tonight. So I, I guarantee you that they're going to say something about what happened last year. Jimmy Kimmel's going to say something about it. Like, and you can see we have security guards on the stage, so there will be no slapping at this event. Something right. like that will come. Oh, up. he and that was funny when he kept saying, I don't need another <laughs> rapper mad at me. That yeah, was mad. That was yeah, pretty, mad rapper. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was funny. Yeah, I thought it was good for those who didn't check it out. What did you, know, you think about his appearance, though? Did, were you okay with what he wore? Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. He looked a bit disheveled to me. That's what I was gonna say. It, his shirt was like wrinkled. I mean, you know. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't notice. Just a little bit more. I didn't know. notice any of that. Did you notice he was wearing a pendant with the prince symbol? Yeah, I noticed that. What? What? A, what? Is he that big of a prince fan? I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, and I don't yeah. think he, I, I, he was talking about his dates. But I just have to add this one last thing. If he was not a rich comedian, I don't think he'd be getting a lot of dates. That's horrible. Let's move on. Let us move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So we're going to move on to the TikTok band. This was an interesting story, or is an interesting story that's going on. Um, TikTok is under fire. Um, and, you know, the government, they passed a bipartisan bill. And there's a lot, you know. So right now, TikTok can't be, you know, issued on uh put on government devices um they're limiting uh foreign businesses with china they're trying to eliminate business with china they're trying to get china to sell it to an american company mm-hmm. or put tiktok out of business altogether um it will hurt a lot of entrepreneurs uh and also a lot of you know um People who do business on TikTok, it's already banned on both of um, the campuses I work. Can't pull up TikTok at Texas Southern or Texas A&M. Yeah. I had it on my phone and I removed it just because, you know, I'm not a huge TikTok fan. Like I enjoy the little videos and stuff, but I took it off of my phone when I heard about the whole... (laughs) the whole, you know, issue with this national security concerns. So I was like, okay, if you guys want us to take it off of our government devices, maybe I should take it off of my phone. Um, but I mean, yeah, so the, my initial thought was it's, you know, it's good that Republicans and Democrats both agree on this legislation. There's nothing like a common enemy to bring, bring us together. Um, but I, I really don't, I, this raised more questions for me. Um, I don't understand how exactly they're going to implement this ban. Um, I guess they'll restrict anyone from being able to download it onto their phones. Is that how it works? Yeah, they you just won't be able to pull it up. Like I said, yeah. there's certain things on campuses that you can't pull up. Like but, if you're on co- college campuses, you mm-hmm. can't pu- pull up gambling sites or things of that nature. They don't allow that. Okay. In that area. So I think that they'll just restrict it that way. Um, so confession, like I don't look at TikTok a lot when I do. I just look at the dances, but that could be <laughs> addictive because yeah. you can look at dances for like two hours and you're like, oh, let me put this down. Right. Um, but I am concerned from a standpoint where you know young people and older people are using the social media platform to earn a living that's the part that i i'm concerned about um and also are are but then you make can... a lot of political statements you know on TikTok, and is it taking away freedom of speech um by banning this uh platform well, if it's not, I suppose if it's not TikTok, it can be Instagram or any other social media platform, um, Twitter that you could use, you know, for, for those other, for those, the same purpose. But let's talk about the bill. I mean, they're calling this the restrict act, the restricting the emergence of security threats that risk enforcement and communications technology act. So And this is actually going to give the Secretary of Commerce broad power to regulate tech produced by six countries that have adversarial relationships with the U.S. 
um, China, Cuba, Iran, North Korea, Russia, and Venezuela. So I guess what I don't understand is, okay, so if they're getting, they're, they're, they're concerned about national security threats, right? Right. If China is getting the personal information of American citizens, what do you foresee? Like, what's the worst that could happen that China could do in terms of national security concerns? What do you think? I I, I don't know. I'm Neither not, do I. I'm not sophisticated enough to answer that question. Neither um, am I. But that's the question that that yeah. that I you know that I but, read. But people in technology seem to think so. Mm -hmm. Um, so we would have to just, you know, go with those people who have that, that, um, that knowledge. But the other thing though, is that TikTok is just 2% of the problem in terms of the national security concerns or whatever. Um, and so there's hundreds of other apps that would do the same thing that take your personal information. So I was just curious, like, why are you picking on TikTok? And I guess it's because TikTok is one of the most popular apps, which, you know. I think China has something to do with that, too, though. Yeah, by China being, like, one of our biggest adversaries. <laughs> is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking maybe they're using it as leverage. Like, we're going to ban you unless you, I don't know, sell it to an America. I don't know. So, anyway. Very interesting. It is a very interesting <laughs> Story. I, I'm I'm gonna read some more on it this week because I'm interested to see really uh what's going to happen. And let us move on. All right. So we move from TikTok on to what happened in Mexico. Wow. This had everybody talking last week. Um the kid unfortunate kidnapping uh four Americans that drove from South Carolina to Mexico. Um, Matamoros. And yes, and two, they wound up being kidnapped, two wound up being killed, and the other two, uh, one was injured. Eric Williams got shot in one leg twice and in the other leg once. Um, they were going on a trip for Latavia Washington McGee, she was getting a medical procedure done and they got lost and they called the clinic to find out like oh, the right directions. Um, they wound up in a wooden house and the authorities saying it's just a case of mistaken identity. Um, uh, they were thought to be uh, Haitian drug smugglers. Hmm. Um, so that's why they were fired upon. It's still a sad and a tragic situation. It really um, is. Yeah. That you go to a neighboring country and something like this happens. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, first, I would like to offer my condolences, my condolences to the families of uh, the two victims. Um, yeah, and they, they are um, Shahid. Woodward, Woodward Zendel Brown. Yeah, that's really scary and really sad. That was my first reaction is that this is just terrifying because, you know, especially if you enjoy traveling internationally, it just makes you want to reconsider moving around the world. Um, but I think, you know, we, you know, as unfortunate as this is, um, 
we cannot be, you know, cannot be afraid to, to travel and broaden our horizons. Um, the other thing is that I thought was, I thought it was interesting that this young woman, um, going to get this, uh, cosmetic procedure, um, brought three men with her. And I, and I'm thinking, I'm just speculating that maybe she felt like this was going to make her safer. You know what I mean? And, and it was, it was, if that was the case, that was very smart of her to bring people with her so that they could be safe. They could all be safe. And it's just unfortunate that it, it turned out this way. You know, she didn't bring other girlfriends. She brought three of her male acquaintances or friends. And I'm sure she um, thought that they would protect her and keep her, her safe. You know, what do you think? Um, I, they, they were longtime friends from what I heard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just think this is a tragic situation. Yeah. Um, and nobody understood at first, like when the news came out, you know, four kidnappings. And usually when I lived in Arizona, I lived in Tucson. I remember that cartels were taking, you know, young white girls from the University of Arizona or in Tucson area down and they were doing it for, you know, ransom and money. Um, that would happen. So wow. uh, this right here confused me. I didn't get it. But now after they told what happened, I'm understanding of it. This is just a tragic situation. That's what I'm saying. It's a bad thing that happened. Uh, and then to see at the wrong time. Yeah. And then to see the dramatic video of it actually happening, yeah. I was thinking like, who is this recording this? And, you know, hopefully they were calling the authorities uh, to intervene. Um, but so far, six people have been arrested. So that's a good thing in connection with um, with the incident. So that's a good thing. But hopefully we can do something to make it safer to travel and to curtail these kinds of um, incidents from happening. Yeah, I think um, that too. I think you have to be careful when you are driving uh, to, to Mexico or to Canada. Um, One thing is to check the, what was that? You just have to be more aware. Yeah, I was just going to add that one thing that we can do is before we travel internationally, we can go to the U.S. Um, State Department's website and check the travel advisory for that particular location that you plan to travel to. So that's one thing you can do. I know right now the travel advisory in this area of Mexico basically is a level four, which says do not travel to Mexico, <laughs> especially this area. I think it's called Tamaulipas. Piss. Where yeah, Madam, where Madam Morris is, huh? I can't pronounce it either. Yeah, like I said this is a tragic situation, and hoping that um, that we all learn from this. Yeah. Remain vigilant. All right, and our last. What's going on for the week is Tiger Woods is back in the news. 
his former girlfriend Erica Herman is filing a suit against him and trying to get rid of the NDA that she signed. Uh, what say you, partner? Well, I think it's unfortunate that Tiger Woods is back in the news again with another scandal. Um, and I'm, I mean, it's clear that he's concerned here about being involved in another scandal, especially after the one that he experienced before that almost ended his career. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm sure this is not what he wanted to see happen, which is why he had her sign the non-disclosure agreement. But, um, you know, the way he ended this relationship was, I guess, you know, caused some animosity between the two of them because apparently they actually, he actually ended the relationship in October. And at that time, told her, you know, she's no longer welcome in the house. And, you know, no woman is going to take kindly to that. So, and then the way he did it, you know, telling her, I'm going to send you on a vacation, you know, go enjoy yourself. And then when she packs a bag and she leaves, he changes the locks, you know, it was kind of slick, but he probably did it because she didn't leave. When somebody says, you know, leave, I don't want you here anymore. As a woman, I'm thinking, okay, I'm out. If you don't want me here, then I'm going to leave. But because I'm like, who wants to? She says, you know, he promised her that he she could live in the house for 11 years. That's just weird to me. It's like, okay, you're my girlfriend. You can come and you can stay here for 11 years. What? Like, what, what is that? And so she's saying, well, he can't put me out now because I still have five years on our agreement, you know? And I'm like, why would you want to remain with someone for an additional five years in their home when they don't want you there? So he had to he had to trick her into leaving so he could because apparently she was not going to leave. So, you know, now here we are. She's suing for 30 million dollars. And I think it's just a money grab. That's really what it is. She's trying to get some money out of this relationship. So I, I I don't know what to say. I'm, I mean, I'm sorry that he's going through this, but it just, to me, he's just not a very good judge of character. That's, that's the only conclusion I can make because he, can't. We, I, I, I can't even go that far. Um, I don't know Erica Herman. She could be a pleasant person. Uh, she still could be pleasant to him, but the, the romantic relationship wasn't working. So okay. I, I've been in so many relationships in, in, in my life. And when I broken up, I, I, I didn't have um, disgruntled partners, you know, just because we're not lovers anymore doesn't mean that we can't be friends. That's the philosophy I have. I'm not going to be mad at you. I, I want you to enjoy your life and go on and meet somebody that's a better fit and, you know, have a great life. I, I have no animosity. Now I'm not saying this, is what Tiger was thinking. Um, uh, reports are he was very angry at uh, what was going on as far as it probably just being public. So her character, I know nothing about. Um, I don't know what went on in the relationship. We just know that whatever happened, the relationship came to an end. Um, right. so I, 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 do, I do agree the way... Um, <laughs> She had to exit the relationship 
changing the locks and things of that. You know, I'm if I ask you to get out my house and you're not out my house, the next thing I do is say, okay, I'm gonna have to call the authorities because you're not paying attention and respecting me, but you'll respect them. That's what I would have done. And if she got mad at that, fine. I would just say I was just trying to ask you to leave and you didn't. So, but I don't know like the things that's going on. It's unfortunate that this is what I dislike for athletes or celebrities is that their life has to be played out in public. I think that's unfair. Like we have public access to them, but little things like this, it's none of our business. And I don't think we have to know about it, but when you're a public figure, unfortunately, in today's society, this is this is what happens. Well, the other thing is that, yes, when you're a high profile athlete like that, this is a woman who is not of the same stature is going to have to use that against you. And that's how she's she's using it. as leverage. It. Well, if she if she's if she intends on putting up a fight about this, I would I would just walk away. I mean, if someone doesn't want to be with you, if the relationship is over, then you just leave. But apparently she won't just leave. She wants money. So that's why she's suing. And she got around, you know, that in the non-disclosure agreement, right, the agreement was, you know, she can't disclose anything that happened when she was with him. And also that if there's a legal dispute, it has to go to arbitration. So that would have been private. But she wanted to get around that and make this public to use as leverage because she knows that he doesn't want this to be public. So she goes around the NDA by suing the trust. Okay. And, and so now that she was sexually assaulted. And right. So she got out of the NDA. She's trying to get out of the NDA by saying that she was sexually abused because there's something called the speak out act where yeah. you can get out of an, an, an NDA if you've been, sexually abused so of course that's you know i can't say of course because she may have been very well been sexually abused but because of that she'll get out of the nda she sues the trust and now she can actually sue him in court as opposed to we we don't know she's going to get out she has to prove right but that she was sexually clearly has legal counsel who you know can get around these things so this, this is another unfortunate situation yeah. that's being played out in public um and his I kids hope, live in the house too so yeah, now they have to see that, this i just hope everything uh works out and let us move on Okay, so we're going to get into our second plug, which is our brand. Okay, so today, today I'm going to tell you what I like. And what I like is Puma. So I'm going to show you a couple of the items that I like to wear from this brand. Um, You know, since the pandemic, uh, working from home, I don't wear as many, you know, dressy work clothes anymore. I'm usually in athleisure wear, which is, you know, athletic wear, workout clothes. 
I always have my baseball cap, my, you know, so I like Puma. So here are, I, I mainly like the classic um, items from Puma, such as the, the classic Puma sneaks. And these, these I think are really cool because they're uh, multicolored. You got the black, the blue, the pink, and the green. I thought these were super cute. And I usually wait for the items to either go on sale, you know, I'm frugal fanny, or I go to the outlet. So I have that pair. And I also have a solid color pair. These are like a sort of a light, a light pink color. So I really enjoy these. And I'm that girl that likes to coordinate. So I will have the hat, the shoes, the the top. So here's um one of the tops. Other way. I don't know if you can see that. Hold yeah. on. There you go. Can you see it? Yeah. There you go. Okay. And then, uh, of course, I have the leggings to match. Those of you who are on audio, she is showing <laughs> her fashion. <laughs> right. So, yes. So, and th these are classic Puma pieces. I'm a girl that if, you know, I usually go for the classic pieces of any brand because I'll wear them forever and I'll always be in style because the classic pieces never go out of style, especially the classic Puma, you know, the classic uh, suede Puma sneaks. Love those. I have like four pairs of those. All right. Oh, so yes. I'm the Puma girl. So Puma it is. And let us move on. All right. We are bringing on a special guest. Alan Grant. Full disclosure, he's a colleague of mine up at Texas A&M University. Nice. Um, we both look at uh, representation of black athletes in uh, media. So we're going to talk to him, given what's been going on the past couple of weeks about how, you know, uh, black athletes have been viewed. Um, and, you know, Alan has some great experience. This is why we brought him on. He's been a writer for ESPN. Um, he's also a former NFL player. So he's an African-American athlete, professional athlete himself, a former professional athlete. So welcome on to the show, brother. How how how's it going? Greetings. It's 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 an honor to be here. It is. And, and what I first off the bat, I, I know I'm in the right place because any 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 host who plays guy and like I like that this is like people of a certain age, so I feel comfortable. I feel comfortable in this setting. I feel really mm. comfortable in this setting. I just because that takes me back to college. So I'm mm. I'm I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. I, we we don't know if our younger audience is, is digging that, but we like we're, the, we're all the same generation, right? Yeah, we're all the same Love generation. It. We like it. So um, lately, there's been talk about Brandon Miller at Alabama, Jalen Carter at Georgia, Dylan Brooks and John Morant 
from the Memphis Grizzlies. Just things happening. You know, uh, Kyrie Irving, of course, all year round. Lamar <laughs> Jackson, you know, uh, there's just athletes and how they get represented in the media. So I'm just going to start off with a general take uh, question, I, I guess, like, how do you feel that of how black uh, athletes are viewed in the media? All right, that's a broad question, and this is a broad topic. But I, I'm gonna start with those, those two of those: John Morant and and Brandon Miller. That's the kid at Alabama, right? Right. First of all, I, I want to say it's what we, and this is why I hate it. I made this clear when I was in media. We have we we fall victim to lazy narratives, and we like we affix a certain narrative to a certain scenario. Um, and I feel like with with John Moran and Brandon Miller, we have a gun problem in this country. We have a problem with guns, right? So these guys run a you know, get into trouble, and it's like okay, we affix like the fact that they're athletes to the fact that you know they're they're involved. You know, Brandon Miller involved indirectly with with a murder. And then John Morant just, you know, irresponsibly, you know, showing himself with a firearm. But those are societal problems, right? They Those are not endemic to professional athletes or to black men or to black athletes, right? They just, they intersect inconveniently in, in these in these instances, right? That's the, that's the first thing. That's the first thing. I just, that drives me crazy because I tell a little story. When I was in an undergrad, there was this, this gay and lesbian statue you know, in the gay and lesbian statue community commemorating like, you know, their their presence on campus. And it was regularly defaced. It was regularly defaced. But people rarely saw, you know, who did it. One time they caught two guys, two or more on the baseball team. And so all everybody had an editorial, like, see, this is what these athletes are. They're entitled, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, like, it's the same thing with domestic violence. You know, whenever someone, you know, an athlete, particularly a black athlete, See, they're violent people. They're they're miscreants, and it's like no, no, no. That's a lazy narrative. Like you know, athletes don't beat women. Black men don't beat women. Men beat women. Yeah. But whenever there's an athlete and a black black athlete involved, we find a way to make the narrative revolve around the fact you know revolve around their athletic identity. So that's 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 the first thing. You know, that's why I always try to I always try to dissect whenever these things arise. You know, I, I read. I read things very carefully, which is why you and I are rhetorical critics now. And that's why I'm no longer in that business, because when I was still at ESPN, I started I started critiquing how people were approaching things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I've gained a little bit of a following, but the, the powers that be did not like that. So that's why I was eventually excommunicated from that business altogether, because mm -hmm. I hate the lazy narrative. I'm always going to call out the lazy narrative. But I. I don't know, like I said, it's a broad question. It's a broad, it's a very broad topic. But what yeah. I like and what I'm 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 encouraged by is that we have professional athletes and all people in general, celebrities have a means to present themselves, their own brands, like their their own websites, like their own means of you know media. So that's what I like. I think that's what's that's what's helpful. That's what's helpful. And the rest of it is just noise because people are gonna write about it, but as a professional athlete, you have your own means to present yourself and to present your 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 perspective unvarnished. But 
I don't know. I don't even know where to start with all that. <laughs> I want to start with one of them. Well, let me let me ask you this: in terms of the name, image, and likeness, uh, what advice would you give to young athletes and how they should depict themselves in social media and in other spaces? Wow, that is a great question, Ms. Jackson. Um, um, oh. That is hard to say. I mean, I would, I would, if I was choosing a school, and right now a lot of people are choosing their their universities, choosing their schools where they sign based on those NIL opportunities. I would look at the coach or, you know, the the administration who handles that the best, who has your best interest in mind, who, you know, will allow, will nav- help you navigate that process. You know, yeah. I, I think that, and I I don't know who that is. I mean, although I will give some props to. My man Deion Sanders, I, I, you know, he, I have a, I, I like him. I mean, he does some questionable things at times, but overall, I think he is, he is ahead of the curve in that sense because he, you know, his first meeting in Colorado, he said, "I'm going to make you guys all stars. I want you to post, post, you know, all the time." And and I, I think he has a plan to to handle that. Yeah. But that would be my my first piece of advice is just if you're choosing a university based on that or a football program, basketball program, whatever program based on that, who is going to guide you the best? Who is going to give you the best advice? Cause I don't know. I don't, that is a, this is all, all foreign to me. Cause like I'm an older guy. So this is all very new. Yeah. Very well, new. I mean, it's a great opportunity to sort of counteract the, what the media portrays. Right. And so I think that's great advice to go somewhere where somebody can give you guidance and how to to navigate that. Because I think Deion Sanders has brilliantly mastered the art of self-promotion. Yeah. And so that would definitely be um, a, a good choice to go someplace with someone like him there that can help you. So... Um... <clears throat> I'm going to jump back to Brandon Miller. Pat Ford, who's a great writer, um, wrote an article in Sports Illustrated just the other day about Brandon Miller and Coach Oates. Um, I don't know if you read this, but when when uh, Alabama is introduced, when Miller comes out and he gives the high five, there's a guy at the end that pats him down, right? And Pat Ford took an exception to it because he felt like, how are you doing this? after uh, I think her name is Jamia Harris or Jamia Hill um, was killed. Now, come to find out, they've been doing this the whole entire year. So it wasn't like this is something new they did to say like, hey, there's no weapons on me. Um, I might be wrong in this case, but I don't understand why people are seriously upset with Brandon Miller. Uh, this you just said it this is a gun country right let's think of where alabama is it's in the south right um memphis tennessee south these are southern places i'm in texas they love their guns right and i'm not just talking about white conservatives i'm talking about black folks too they love their guns so if Darius says to uh, to Brandon, hey, is my strap or my gun still in your car? He's like, yeah, bring it over. And he does. That's all he did. 
you know, now why are we trying to connect this man with the murder? And I'm saying like, and Alabama didn't do anything about it. The cops did not charge Brandon Miller. They said there's nothing to charge him on. To me, that should be it. But you're looking deeper, like there has to be some connection or what would, I, I, that's my problem with the public. You know, when yeah. they jump on one writer who has an opinion, right? And right. they have that influence. I guess us having this podcast, we're trying to have our influences influence people too but pat ford wrote this and i get what he's saying they should maybe do away with that part of the introduction i get that you know um but he he goes off on the coach and he goes off on brandon miller like don't tell me they care you know don't care. tell what is he supposed to do put gravel over him y'all don't say anything I, this is what i'm saying some of these kids grow up in environments where they see several people killed, right? News flash. That's big to y'all. That's not big to them. But you want them to react how you want them to react. If not, you lambast them in public, right? Sometimes, like, you, know, you, you it's sad, but you might get immune to that, right? Sure. And so Brandon Miller is a young kid. He's, what, 18 or 19 years old, right? And I'm sure he feels sad about the situation that went down, I don't know him, but I would think that most human was like, wow, somebody lost their life. It wasn't his intention, you know? And here we are, we're scathing this young man and it, it goes to my mind again, the different treatment they give different people. Like when Johnny Manziel was here at Texas A&M, he did a lot of things that they just swept under the rug. Yeah. Like, oh, it's just Johnny being Johnny. Yep. You know, no, but it's, it's Brandon Miller that could be involved. But well, how is it could be? The police said, no, he, he had nothing to do with it. That should be the end of it for me. Yeah, but like what you said, he, this writer probably is reflective of a lot of other people. Wants to, uh, the door tone deaf always comes out. Like he's tone deaf, like to the whole situation. He should change his behavior to, to, to reflect like his sorrow or his, but yes, but there is no guilt, you know, on his part. I mean, he hasn't been charged with anything. So, like I said, I, I'm sure I don't know for sure, but that that pregame, you know, rituals was probably intact in the whole time. It was they were doing that the whole time. So, well, you we got to change that now. You got to change that now. So, that's just a matter of of of, of opinion. And I, I like that you brought up Johnny Manziel because you know, if you're at A and M. If you're at a and that name carries like a, a very specific connotation. And that came up in class a couple of weeks ago. Okay. You know, like someone asking, why is he in the league? You know, and I had to, I usually don't like talking about football stuff in class. Cause right. like, you know, I don't want to get off the cut, but I had to, cause the, the question was Michael Vick was allowed back in the league after like being in prison and Sean Watson's in the league, you know, after, after all of his stuff, <laughs> I was like, well, what I like about the NFL, and I said the NFL, about the NFL combine going on right now, it's like right now there are 300 like prospects there, and they are being interviewed and looked at by player personnel and coaches and owners and GMs. And at the end of that, those question and answer period, they're going to ask one question. And that, that is, why should we draft you? And there's only one answer looking for it. And that is because I'm the best player at my position, and I can help this team win. Mm -hmm. And they're all happy. 
because that at the end of end of the day, if you can play, yeah, you will get an opportunity to play. So I told this guy Johnny Manziel's not in the league because he wasn't playing well. Right. <laughs> not because you know we had. Oh, there is it's unfair because he's a white quarterback. You know, that's what he was inferring. It's like, no, no. If you can play, yeah, you will be allowed to play. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, but Johnny Manziel, like I said, his he is he is an icon, you know, in college station. Still, still, and you know, an infamous icon. But that that mm-hmm. is a, a but that's a, a double standard that is a perception from some people, not from all of us, obviously, not from everybody. Not for everybody, but that's the bottom line. If you can play, you can play, <laughs> and they will give you an opportunity to. Nobody's forcing, nobody forced Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Eagles, to sign Michael Vick. Yeah. Nobody forced him to do that. That's he did that because yeah. he thought he could help his team win. Yeah. That's the bottom line. But look, 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 look what's happening. You know, I'm, I'm glad we went to football with Lamar Jackson now. Um, Ooh. like they come out, well, it, it's. I get the business. NFL teams do not want to get into the habit of signing guaranteeing contracts. Nope. They don't want that, right? Because it's a violent sport and people can feign injury all the time and, yep. and still get collect their money. And that's a big concern that NFL owners have understood, yep. right? Um, I just think they played this wrong by coming out and announcing well we don't have any interest in lamar jackson like i just thought that like where is that coming from like to me you can't tell me that's not collusion you know that's all that is to me is just like you're getting together to make a stance like hey lamar we're not giving out any more guaranteeing contracts we don't care what cleveland did we're not doing that again and I'm yeah. telling you, the rest of the owners were, were mad at Cleveland for doing that. Yep. But there's another way they could have handled it um, instead of saying, like, we're not interested in Lamar. Because, of course, you are. How <laughs> is Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons not interested in Lamar Jackson? Exactly. Of course you are. Exactly. Yeah. How, how the, the, all of a sudden the, the Washington commanders are not interested in Lamar Jackson? Come on. Like, Come on. This, this, this is just it's re- ridiculous but it, here it is again it's the this gentleman at 26 years old a unanimous mvp led the league in, in touchdowns passes every he did everything i i never rooted for an athlete <laughs> root for lamar jackson yeah because he breaks this narrative that quarterbacks like himself and when i'm saying quarterbacks i'm gonna be clear an african-american quarterback that comes from humble beginnings who they perceive as not intelligent not equipped enough to handle a complicated complex or uh, offense in the nfl comes in and does such and succeeds surpass what they think you you still had another nfl uh coach said i don't care how many mvps he wants he's never going to be a quarterback in my eyes Hmm. whoever said that we don't know what race it was um but if i was on the roulette wheel i wouldn't bet on black on that one (laughs) (laughs) making that statement so it's like it's 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 strange how these things keep playing out and recycling themselves i thought we we were beyond that because 
Now it's like mobile quarterbacks are the thing. And they not just black. They white too. Right? So you you don't yeah. think, well, okay, a white quarterback. You were questioning, is this white quarterback mobile? Can he run? You know, can he escape? <laughs> or stand in the pocket because the game has gotten that much quicker and faster. Yeah. You got people that weigh 200 and yeah. uh, the uh, the quarterback from um, uh, Florida weighs two forty something, yeah. and he yeah. just ran a four five, you know, a four four. I'm sorry, in the forty yard right. dash. So mm. these things are happening. You know, humans are evolving. There's more equipment, more coaches, um, but we still stigmatizing and representing black athletes in this way. Well, what bothers them, I think. The other part of Lamar Jackson, he represents himself. He doesn't have an agent. That's a big don't 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 discount that as not being a huge part of, of this narrative because it is because it, it really is. That is that's groundbreaking in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways. And like they don't really want to deal with that. You know, owners and GMs like, I, you know, that movie Jerry Maguire, I think, is held up over time. I think mm -hmm. that's part of that narrative is, you know, he says at one point uh, the teams that what are they, Denver and and I can't remember. He's like, they like to deal with me all the time. Yeah. It's like, there's truth to that. There's truth to that. These are relationships. When you go right. and negotiate a contract as an agent and you talk to a certain GM, yeah. you have a friendship with that person yeah. more often than not. You know, that is a very yeah. small inner inner circle. That is a very yeah. uh, a singular sort of, sort of environment. Yeah. And he is kind of shoot all that. And and people are not all that comfortable with it. And for me, the difference in the narrative is long time ago, this guy named John Riggins, who was a really eccentric, you know, ball player, played mm -hmm. for the Jets and, and later for Washington. Yeah. You know, Cobra Camp was like a mohawk and he was very strange. And it's like, oh, he didn't have an agent, but it was seen as eccentric. Oh, he's, he doesn't have an agent because he's isn't he great to negotiate his own contract because he's eccentric. Right. Lamar Jackson. You know, one of the top players in the league, you know, and, and, and as a quarterback, part of the brand, part of the NFL brand. Well, he doesn't represent, he represents himself in that scene is problematic. No one is articulated as such, but that is part of, that's part of the problem. That's part of the narrative. I have seen articles lately saying if Lamar Jackson had an agent, he would be signed by now. So it's almost as if they are discouraging this. Well, Dominique Foxworth, a person I listen to, I talked to Alan about, um, and he's been brought up on our podcast. He talks about what you just said. Like, these agents do have relations. And sometimes the agent can mess up your deal because they don't want to ruin the relationship with yep. a certain team. And so he says you have to look in it, too, from that side because that agent might have six players on that team. Yep. You know, um, yep. and on the Denver Broncos, you know, so he says you have to to be careful. But we're going to get you out on this, man. I want to know or you could tell the folks because you are working on some things that are interesting. Just tell our audience some things that you are working on right now. Oh, man, you got to hit me with that. I'm in the middle of my my dissertation proposal. So I um, oh, I don't that? know if anybody want to get all like no, 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 they want to know they yeah, academic. No. Yeah, yeah, let's get academic. <laughs> oh man. Uh okay. Well, I, 
I have always dealt with the the voice, um, the black athlete having a voice, but that has evolved over decades. Uh, Harry Edwards, who many of you know, is really responsible for sport being a part of the academic discipline. He mm-hmm. created this genre, sport, you know, the, the study of sport. But he said there's been waves. There have been four waves of, of black athlete protest over, over the years. And I'm proposing like we're, he said, is there going to be a fifth wave? And I'm answering yes. I'm saying we're in the middle of a fifth wave. Okay. But what dis, what distinguishes this wave from others is that it is collaborative in a sense. And Megan Rapino is, I think, a key figure, the, the, you know, the soccer player, the women's soccer player. Um, right after Colin Kaepernick initially, you know, knelt in protest of black men being killed by law enforcement. Megan Rapinoe in a, in a very sparsely attended game, soccer game up in Portland, did the same thing. And asked afterwards, you know, she said, well, I felt like this is the least I can do. Like, you can kneel. I think that was an easy thing to do. It's like, I, I, I stand with him. I acknowledge, like, all people who are being marginalized. But, you know, I, I, I will follow his lead. So I, I have come up with, uh, what's called ventriloquism um, is a concept where you make something else speak. You throw your voice, you throw your voice to other causes, lend your voice to other people. And while Colin Kaepernick was out, now he still is, I mean, obviously his career is over, but each time Megan Rapino is asked about her stance on social justice, she will reference him first. Everything starts with Colin Kaepernick. She always references him. So I am proposing that ventriloquism or lending your voice to other causes is the language of allyship. And in this in this latest iteration of the black athlete protest movement, other people have joined to lend their voices to it. So that that is like a, a, a nutshell kind of synopsis of what I'm working on. Um, okay. The fifth wave is the fifth wave is is a collaborative wave. All right, so um, that's Brother Alan Grant. We thank him for coming on. Uh, we definitely going to have him back on in the future, uh, especially after he finishes his dissertation. Thanks a lot, brother, and uh, we'll talk soon. Nice meeting you, Miss Jack- Jackson. I-, I appreciate this. Sure, and nice meeting you as well. Take care. All right. All right. Ventriloquism. Yes. That's an interesting concept when he told me about that. I was just like, oh, okay. I know we're, we're academics, so a lot of people might not get that or understand that, but I do. I think that's a unique concept. Um, he's going to break ground with that. So I'm interested on uh, um, reading his uh, dissertation. And so now... <laughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry, y'all. You okay? Yeah, I'm good. And let us move on. We have a question. It's a question. Address the question. This is a question. So what's the question? Answer the question. All right, Uh, this is our new segment. I think this is the fifth one. So we have a question of the week. This week, the question is, what word is spelled incorrectly 
every single dictionary, what word is spelled incorrectly in every single dictionary? Mm. Those who know, remember to email pot liquor show at gmail.com. So P O T L I Q U O R S H O W at gmail.com. First one that replies with the correct answer will win a prize from us. That's a good one. Yes. Good luck, everybody. Oh, okay. So, our little known black history fact. Um, I will hand that over to my partner. I was waiting for my sounds of blackness. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah. So, today, I thought it would be good to highlight someone who is living black history. Um, so today I wanted to highlight Tiara Gwen Fletcher. Tiara Gwen Fletcher is an American engineer who graduated from MIT in 2017. Sorry about that. That's my, um, and she currently works for Boeing. She is one of the designers and structural analysts building the space launch system for NASA, which is set to send people to Mars. Tiara Fletcher attended MIT and received her Bachelor of Science in Aerospace Engineering in June 2017, graduating with a GPA of 5.0. She participated in a mentorship program to help other students at MIT. From June 2015 to June 2016, Fletcher was a systems engineering intern at Boeing, where she helped design, test, and collaborate with other professionals on Boeing products. The following year, from June 16 to June 2017, Fletcher was a design engineer and stress analyst intern at Boeing, where she helped with the design process and analysis of the space launch system for NASA. So yes, this is a beautiful young black woman who is basically a rocket scientist. Isn't her husband a rocket scientist too? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Kudos. You to know how the man. statement is, it, it ain't rocket science. Exactly. It is rocket science. Okay, well, congratulations to Tiara Quinn Fletcher. Let us move on. And let us move on. Okay, so we're going to jump into our last plug of the week, and that is the joe button podcast uh joe button has been doing this uh for longer than most mm -hmm. um he has a great following he has a great show he's very inquisitive uh one of my uh top rappers like i really admired him when he first came out all the way through his career i should say um but when he first came out and he hit the mixtapes and he was rhyming 
thought he was good. He had a lot to say. Interesting story. Very smart dude. Um, and then he jumped into this. And this has been kind of like a natural for him. Um, he does well. Um, so, yeah, check it out if you get a chance. Uh, the Joe Button uh, Podcast. And, and let us move on. Black. Black, black, black. <laughs> black on black, black. Yeah. Hey. Okay, black, 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 black on black, black, my thoughts so black, 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 I'm black, my skin is so black, I'm rocking that black on black is black. black All right, so black. this week uh black, we have black, black. a buy black segment and black on black, black. this week yeah. we are showcasing hey. actively okay, black. 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 Yeah, so Actively Black is an athleisure brand. Another one of those. We're staying on that whole athleisure category. So Actively Black is a Black-owned entity created by former professional basketball player Lanny Smith. Actively Black was created with the input and advice from friends who have experience at the highest levels with Nike, Adidas, Jordan brand, etc., so they saw a void in representation and investment back into the communities whose culture creates the cool factor for those giant brands. So this is a premium athleisure and sports apparel brand designed by us for us. This is a mission-based brand with the goal to be with the goal to reinvest back into our communities and to improve the mental health and physical fitness of the black community for the movement to continue. We have to be able to keep moving. So yeah, Actively Black is becoming pretty popular. You see a lot of um, celebrities rocking the, um, you know, rocking the apparel. Yeah, um, it's, it's spreading around. I am uh, ordering a pair of shorts myself. Um, so yeah, check it out. Uh, Actively Black. And, and let us move on. Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. Okay, one of our favorite segments uh, is our All Hell No. And this time it's Nicole Livingston. Nicole Livingston um, pushed the student. I shoved the student up against the wall. This is in uh, South Carolina, I believe, or North Carolina. Um, <clears throat> because she was walking down the hall doing the Pledge of Allegiance of the flag, and uh, she puts the black student up against the wall and told her that she should stand still and salute the flag. Um, and I think since then she has, they've been investigated. They, uh, she has been reprimanded. Um, at the school, but she gets our all hell no of the week. Uh, Nicole Livingston. Oh, hell no. Okay. Keep your hands to yourself. Yep. And let us move on. All right. So this week we are going to give it up to Monica Watkins and Suwana Perry. Uh, <clears throat> for um, 
Beauty for Freedom. They're the co-founders of Beauty for Freedom. And it's an organization. There are two former models. It's an organization that helps uh, women get out of human trafficking. Um, and so we should applaud them. Um, they're, if you want to join uh, Beauty for Freedom, they have a website that you can go to. You can donate um, at beautyforfreedom.org. Uh, forward slash donate that's uh beauty for freedom dot org forward slash donate yeah we have to give it up to these two sisters uh for um standing up for a cause that i'm sure we all want we all want to see the um this situation eradicated indeed indeed yeah so one other shout out um, did did you know that Magic Johnson lost his father? His father passed away, and they were very close. Um, Irvin Johnson Sr. passed away. Yeah. So our condolences to the Johnson family. Okay. And as always... We're going to wrap up our show. Uh, we'll start with our three plugs. Uh, our product was Peloton. Our brand was Puma. Our podcast was Joe Button. Our words of wisdom, our wow for the week was Fred Hampton's. You can kill a revolutionary, but you can never kill the revolution. Uh, what's going on? We spoke about Chris Rock. We discussed the TikTok ban, the Mexico kidnapping, and Tiger Woods situation. Our weekly interview was with uh, Alan Grant at Texas A&M University. The weekly question is, what word is spelled incorrectly in every single dictionary? The little-known black history fact went to Tierra Wynn Fletcher in actual rocket science. Um, our Buy Black segment was actively black. Uh, all hell no went to Nicole Livingston. And uh, we gave it up to Monica Watkins and Suwana Perry. As always, we like to end like Brother Dawn Cornelius did on Soul Train. Thank you, everybody, for taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us. And as always in parting, we wish you love, peace, and soul. Okay, and so, and we will see you next week. Take care.